In the last time we, we talked, we talked a little bit about religion. We started to explain why religion is important. We had some questions about science and religion. Uh, so today we're going to talk about the same topic from a, from a slightly different angle. We're going to talk about religion from the angle of whether it is something natural in human beings or not. There is something that we hear in the religion, we hear a lot on, from shiuch, we see it in books, we hear about it even in the Qur'an. It says that there's something, the human nature is referred to as al-fatra. Okay? So what is al-fatra? What does it mean? Al-fatra is our most basic nature. The primordial, they call it the primordial nature of a human being. That's what our religion refers to as al-fatra. Okay? So that part is clear? Okay. So how do we know if something is fitri, that is something that we find in our nature, or it is not something that we find in our nature? Yani we have to add it from the outside to us. So there are, can anyone give me examples of something we think is our nature? You yeah. You always want to get the good. You want to always? Be the good. Sure. You want, so you want to get to the good or be good? Be good. Be good? Yeah, you're competitive. You want to be good? Yeah. Yes. Excellent. That's, that's instinctive in humans. You said something? Yeah. Best quality. Best quality. Okay, so human beings want the best or the best quality. Do they want to be good? What else? Something even more basic than that. Food. Your hunger is instinctive. Your thirst is instinctive. Your need for sleep is instinctive. Okay, but you also have competition. You're competitive. No one needs to teach you something. And yet, it's inside of you. So how do we know if something is fitri or not fitri? The first thing is, when we look around at human beings, it has to be something we see in everyone. So, whether you look at a woman or a man, whether you look at a child or an old person, whether you look at someone living in the East or the West, in India or Antarctica or Portugal, everybody should have that trait. That thing should be found in every human being. Then you have you can say that that thing is natural, or that thing is instinctive. That's one. The second thing is, let's say today we went all around the world, and let's say that I don't know Apple decided to give everybody a an iPhone, and everybody now knows how to use an iPhone. So anywhere you go in the world, everybody has an iPhone. Does that mean that using an iPhone became instinctive? Natural? No. Okay. Why? Where do we just said, if it's something we, found, we find in everyone, then that means it's natural or instinctive. So what's the issue with this example? Why is it not instinctive? Yeah? Something we learn to do. Okay. So that's one thing. It's not something you were born with. Naturally, you don't do that. This is something coming from outside of you. That's one. That's an important criteria. So when we find things that we have to learn, 
These are not things that are completely natural to us. Okay. Bad. What if I see that everybody who lives on earth today, they do something or they have something, a trait. But if I go back 50 years or 200 years or 5,000 years, I see that those people did not have that. Does that mean it's instinctive and natural or not? So if I go back in time, let's say I go back a lot in time, or I go back in time to a time where the world was very different. Like today we wear this kind of clothes, we eat this kind of food, we have this kind of technology, we have cars, we have houses, electricity, heating. What if I go back 200 years ago where none of that was like this? Or 5,000 years ago where people lived in, in holes in the mountain? Does the human nature remain the same or does it change? If I go back in history and everything in the world is different. It's a good question. Who says it remains the same? Lift your hand. And who says it changes? Keep your hand down. Does it remain the same? Okay, whoever is not sure, raise both of your hands. Okay, it's a lot. Okay, of course, of course, human nature remains the same. That's why we're saying that something is instinctive. So you are right. We're one of the few that were, was confident. So if you go back in time, even if it's 10,000 years ago, 20,000 years ago, human nature should be the same. If something changes with time, you can't say this is fitri. You can't say this is instinctive. Okay? One. Two. It cannot be something you learn. If something teaches, if someone needs to teach you something, you can't say this is instinctive. Three. You have to, it has to be something you find in everyone. Okay? Now. Don't forget we're talking about religion. Keep in mind how we say that religion is instinctive. Religion is fitri. Okay? Keep that in mind. We're going to add a couple of verses from the Qur'an now. We have a verse in the Qur'an that says, First one, وَمَا لَكُمْ مِنْ نِعْمَةٍ فَمِنَ اللَّهِ And there is no blessing you have in your life except that it comes from Allah. And then, when a difficulty comes your way, you cry to your Lord to help you. And then when we remove the difficulty from you, then a group from among you associate partners with God. That's one verse. Okay? Clear? So it says, we have a lot of good in our lives. All the good comes from God. But we only remember Him when? When there's a difficulty. We pray to Him. The ayah says, إِلَيْهِ تَجْأَرُونَ You pray with a loud voice. You groan. You beseech. You pray louder. And then, when the difficulty is removed by God, you associate partners with God. You go back to the way you were before. Okay? A second verse. I'm going to make you think after this. This is going somewhere. The second verse. We're going to put them all together. The second verse is a little bit more specific. 
It says Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who allows you to take to water on the ships. And then you get scared because of the storms at sea, in the ocean. You think you're going to die. So you pray to him. And then when you reach the land, you go back to your disbelief and you associate partners with God. Okay? That's verse number two. Now, a story. This is the third example. We're going to put all of these together and I'm going to ask you a question. There's a man who came to Imam al-Sadiq salam. Imam al-Sadiq is our sixth Imam. He came to Imam Ja'far al-Sadiq salam and he asked him, he told him, Ibn Rasulullah, I'm really confused. I'm hearing a lot of people talk about Allah and everybody is saying something and now I'm very confused. So can you please tell me what is Allah? And I think it's probably a question we've all wondered. What is Allah? It's a very deep question. He's not telling him, describe God. He tells him, what is Allah? So the Imam, he tells him, have you ever been on a ship on the sea? Told him, yes. He told him, did you get into a storm to the point where you thought you were going to die and there's no ship that can come to rescue you and you would not be able to swim to safety? Have you ever been in that situation? Told him, yes, I've been in that situation. He told him, in that instant where you knew there's absolutely nothing that can help you and you're going to die, did your heart attach itself to something or no? That you thought could still rescue you. Did it or did it not? He told him, yes, it did. The Imam told him, that is God. That's it. Everything else, there's books filled about describing God. About studying God, the attributes of God, the existence of God. Let's put all of that aside for a second. And just concentrate on that story. And link the story with the two verses of the Quran. So the Imam tells him, in that moment of need, this is a story, but we have to imagine ourselves as that person. We are in a ship. The ship broke. Everybody is about to die or is dying. I know I can't swim to safety. I know there's no other ships around. I think I'm going to die in this second. Do I think that's it, it's hopeless? Or do I think that there is still, my heart is still hoping in something to rescue me? That's something we should all of us feel. Either you feel something or you don't. If you do, the Imam tells you, that's God. Before I tell you and I describe and I use a lot of words and difficult meanings and definitions, the feeling towards that, that is God. Okay, now we go back to the main topic. The main topic was fitrah. We said that fitrah or instinct is something that you don't learn from the outside. We said that it's something that you find in all human beings and that it's something you find in all human beings throughout history. 
So now my question, my first question to you is, is religion and is belief in God and therefore belief in religion something instinctive and natural or not? That's the first question. So keep the verses of the Qur'an that we said in mind. We said, we gave two verses. We said the first verse says, all the bounties that you have come from God. And then when there's a calamity and the difficulty comes to you, you pray to God with a loud voice. And then when He removes the difficulty from you, you go back to associating partners with God. The second verse said, when they go on the ship and it starts getting dangerous and they're about to die, they pray to God to rescue them, rescue us. And then when God rescues them and they reach the land, they associate partners with God. What do you exactly mean by associate partners with God? فَإِذَا هُمْ يُشْرِكُونَ they become mushrikeen. They become disbelievers in the God that they pray. Because I thought like partners as in like... like partners of partners. divinity. And as other gods with him. Oh, they go they back to their Islam. They partner yeah. God. Okay, I see, I see. I see and then the third instance that we used was the story from Muhammad about someone whose heart gets attached to something when he thinks or she thinks they're about to die and it's hopeless. When we put all of that together, we ask the question, is religion, is belief in God instinctive, natural, fitri, or not? So we said, for something to be fitri, has to be found in all human beings, has to be throughout history and cannot be something you learn. So, who wants to venture, dare an answer? Before there, let's start here and then we go there. Yes? Um, I think it is. Okay. Because one, the answer was no. I feel like all the ayah Qur'aniya that you just gave would be kind of pointless. But my real argument is that, yes, it is because if you just said that, and the many examples you gave, that if someone is in a hardship and they attach their hearts to something that will save them or cure them or whatever it is, gives them a solution to what they're experiencing. That is God. So they're they're hoping that something will happen. And nobody taught them that you should think about, you should pray to God. Nobody told them that. And we're talking about Imam Sadiq and everyone before Imam Sadiq and after. Then that's throughout history. And you can find that tree of attaching uh, your heart to something that will help you or praying to God about to find a solution that you can find every you can find that trait with every human being so that's my argument is yes okay 
I think we're gonna hear something. Yes. Um, I think it is a human instinct to believe in God because if it were, then that would contradict everything you said about the instinct itself. You said that instinct is something that all humans share, and is from day one. So eating, you know, sleeping, stuff like that. But you just said also, not all people feel that attachment to God when in hardship. So that makes it, it's not instinct, it just makes it a feeling that certain people have. So I think that's my reason. Okay. So why do you say not all people feel? Because not all, I, I know many people don't feel that. Like, when, when most people, when they're in hardship, you said yourself that uh, if you do feel it, and you said most people should feel it, so that means there are some that don't. And I also think myself that some people don't feel that. You know, their heart attached to something. Some people just take in the fact that they're done. You know, for example, the 9-11 attacks, uh, people, some people jumped out of the buildings. Do you think they had hope? Maybe a firefighter was going to come through the flames and save them? Or did they say, it's, it's all over, I might as well, I might as well jump and, and make it a quick death. So I think that right there just proves that not all people have that connection that, you know, to God that maybe, maybe something will happen and save them, you know? Okay. Yeah. Um, I think I agree. Not I agree, but like I see where you're going with this. But I think what I understood from what he says is he says that not all people feel the same way when they're in a hardship and they want a solution. That idea. But what I think is that some people just have a higher, not a higher chance, but a higher. Uh, belief that something will happen and some people have lesser belief. Like if that person, that one person or those people that jumped off the building in the text 9-11, those people thought, I guess they thought that maybe there's a chance, like you said, that firemen would like bring them out or save them. But those people, they thought through it and they had a lesser belief that that solution was going to happen to them. So what they did, they just ended it quickly. That. So their belief is a little weaker than others. That's what I think. Some people have lesser, their belief is weaker than others. Some have stronger beliefs, some have weaker beliefs, but it's still there. So you think it's still instinctive? And you think it's not instinctive? Okay, anyone else? Yes? Um, I think that although like uh, there are some people that don't even believe in God, uh, I think they just give up on life in general. Like they didn't, like they stopped trying to find meaning. They stopped? They, they stopped trying to find meaning in life. Okay. Just because of your, from your culture in Ashura. Uh, so like, uh, like when people stop looking for meaning in life, uh, They'll just look for the life they're living right now, and then and then when they when they're getting burnt, they're not gonna they don't have meaning to look after. Mm-hmm. Yep. So they'll just jump off. But then, like we really don't know what they were doing up there when they're being burnt alive. But we don't know their situation. We don't know exactly what was going on. Okay. But that's what I think. Yeah. I don't think that you can say they were giving up because 
in, in a way, it was certain death coming to them, so it's just the decision they make in the moment. I don't think that's them giving up. It's just, it's just their thought process at the time to jump off. That's what I would say. Okay. I think that it is instinctive to believe in religion as well. The position is that because instinct is basically human nature, right? Yeah. So then uh, we're all born with these certain traits that we would refer to as human nature. Mm -hmm. But throughout life, you're influenced by other things that can affect this human nature. So human nature slowly alters. Okay. So let's say you're born competitive naturally, but then you're raised in an environment which isn't competitive at all. At all. So you're not going to become competitive anymore. It's not human nature. Okay. I'll take one more comment and then I'm going to stop. Yeah? So just to clarify, he asked if competitiveness would be a human nature if they lived in an environment where competitiveness wasn't really active or... Affirmed that it wasn't. No, he's saying that it would still be human instinct, oh, yeah, but there are, let's call them environmental factors that may, as you said, weaken something instinctive. Okay, because so you said some people have weaker, but it's still instinctive. I thought that's the question, so uh, I just agree with him. You agree with him. Okay. So now let's take a, a few examples and come back to this. So, if, is it possible, that since you guys brought it up now, is it possible for an instinct to be stronger or weaker in some way? Born that way? Like, born like stronger for someone? No, not necessarily born. It could be that you were born, or it could be that throughout your life. The question is, can it be, can an instinct be stronger or weaker than found in someone else, or when we say that something is an instinct, a fitra, whatever is fitri in a human being, whatever is natural and instinctive, it's found in the exact same degree, intensity, level in everybody. Or does it have different levels? Can you give me an example? Uh, like somebody could be more be born more competitive, and that, and then uh, uh, he will. Like, it's all about their goals, and then like if they have a higher goal in something, and then they try to. It's like I don't see. Uh, basically, like I, when people are born competitive, it's like people that they try to cancel out other people faster like when they're kids you'll see a kid uh, bullying other kids from the beginning uh, that's like more competitive they're trying to look be better than other kids but then you'll see little kids that are shy and uh, have more remorse the other and they're like they're respectful and they're, they're just too shy to even say anything okay. i'm gonna move on to you but i think we need examples that are more acceptable more common, easily understood than competitiveness. Go to things that are more clearly instinctive. Okay? Go to, to things that are very basic. Everybody agrees that they are human nature. Yes? I think that instinct is the same in everybody when they're born, but the environmental factor, they change it. Because, for example, everybody is born with remorse. Like, nobody wants to see people being oppressed or things like that. 
as they grow up, they'll feel more remorse towards people than other people. And I think it's just the environmental factors that change this. But I think instinct, when people are born, it's the same in everybody. It just changes as they age. It changes as they age, okay? Yes. I think that was like to the same degree as the other argument with remorse and competitiveness in terms of a theory. So maybe this maybe this is more like clear. So like food, like eating, like that's pretty basic, right? Some people if they're born in say America, where they have like the highest obesity rates in all the world, maybe as they grow up they, they see all the food and everything and then they you know they're born in an environmental, environmentally, they're born in an area where many people are obese, so they have a higher likelihood of becoming obese when they're older. And in some European countries where the obesity rates are much lower, the same instinct that they were born with with all other humans, even the ones in America, they have a higher likelihood of being um, thinner, say, than people in America, even though their instinct was, you know, the same when they were born because of the environmental factors that they have around them, the people that surround them. So, like that, yeah. Okay, so you're basically saying that an instinctive trait in a human being can change, can be stronger or weaker, based on the environment. Right? And that's what you said. And that's what you said, and that's what you said. What I said was different, like, you, 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 you're born, people are born differently, they have different instinctive, like, levels, Yeah. Uh, but society also changes it over time. Okay. okay, so is it only the environment? You're adding one more, which is not necessarily just environment. Someone may be born with more or less of an instinct. Do you agree with that? You said remorse. Yeah, for other examples, do you agree with that? That you may be more born with something no, on a different level? I think it's only environmental factors. Only environmental yeah. factors. You? No, I think you can be also born with. Okay, and you? Me, I don't, I don't really know. I'm not, I'm not like a parent. Okay. I spoke about first lecture. Yeah. Which is that animals, for example, are simply based on... Yeah. And we see some animal, even though they're the same species, uh, some of them have stronger instincts than others. Mm -hmm. Why is that? You know? So, I think it's only environmental aspects that we're living in. Some of them can be born just like that. Okay. One last comment. Yes. Um, like, you said, um, you can see, like, animals. Like a lion, for example, it's not really their environment that makes them more aggressive, it's just that their lifestyle, maybe, it could be also environment, but it's still the same thing, most are just agree, they just don't build on that. Some animals, they're built or have instincts that make them who they really are, so, uh, so, yeah, I'm pretty sure that some instincts can be stronger than anything. Okay. So now answer time. Okay. So let's go back to religion. Is religion instinctive or not? Religion is instinctive. If you go back throughout history, religion has always been there. Psychologists say religion will always be there. 
Belief in God has always been there, although people will change what God means from one to another. Your relationship with the infinite, with the absolute, your desire for sacredness and worship and things like that, is a human desire. Psychologists say, people like Carl Jung and others, they say that if you dig into the deepest levels of a human being, you're going to find God, whatever you may refer to as God. That's what you find at the deepest level of a human being. When does it come out? What happens to it? What happens to it is the distractions of life. What happens to it is the routine of life. What happens to it is the environment. When does it come out? The Quran answered. The verse was not useless. The Quran told us when your true nature comes out. Your true nature, every human being's true nature comes out when they are pushed to their greatest limits. And they haven't given up. If you're pushed to your greatest limit, you go back to your most basic instinct. And that's why when you struggle in life, the more you struggle, the more you're going to see that all the other factors don't work. The problem with your example is we're not there in their heart to see where their attachment is. Why am I not just letting myself die in this moment? Maybe I think that somehow I will survive by jumping. I don't know. I don't know what they were thinking. I don't know if... I didn't say the example of Imam al-Sadiq was very clear. He said, you know that there is nothing that can rescue you. If I have hope that a, a fireman may come and rescue me, the example doesn't work. The example only works when I know for 100% that there's not going to be a fireman or anyone else or any other material factor that can rescue me. I have to have given up on that. That's when we see, is it going to go towards that other hope or not? If it doesn't, still doesn't necessarily mean that it's not there. It can mean other things. It can mean that you've lived your life in such a way that you just don't go there. And psychologically, this would be considered as having a complex, as having a problem in the way you think, because you don't think the natural way. You've conditioned yourself to think in a different way. For instance, when there is no hope, I force myself to be hopeless. Because that's not the human nature. Human nature is going to have hope at that last second. So psychologists spend a lot of time studying this. It doesn't, again, it doesn't necessarily mean that all of them say, therefore there is this God that we believe in in Islam. But they say your need for that is going to be there at the depth of the human, they call it the human psyche, the human soul, the human psychology. It's there. So what's the issue? You guys raised the issue. The issue is that, first of all, like any other human instinct, not everybody is born with the same level. There are people who are more competitive than others. There are people who will like, love food more than others. There are people who will see beauty more than others. There are These are all human instincts. Some people have an innate talent for some of them that they can work more than others, but they're gifted. You see it at three years old, someone may have more of a beauty taste than someone who's 50. 
without having gone to many classes. Why? Because some people are born for whatever reason. We can talk about that a lot. Not everybody is born with all the instincts being at the same level. That's one. And two, there's environmental factors that are going to change the level. They're going to change the degree of your instincts. And some of them you're going to push down, and some of them you're going to push up. So, if religion is instinctive, does it mean that we're going to find it equally in everybody? No. Some people are going to be born with a higher level of religious sense, and some people are going to be born with a lower level. And then there's life and environmental factors. Some of them, some people, are going to have an environment that pushes religion down. In the words of the Qur'an, some people are going to bury their soul, their religion, underground. And some people are going to unearth it, take it out of the ground. And Imam Ali salam, in the first sermon of Mahj al-Bara'i, he tells us, that's the role of the prophets. God sends prophets so that they do what? So that they remind people of his blessings. He says three things. And one of them is that, so that you unearth you take out of the ground the instinct, the nature that you have forgotten and that you have put in the ground. That's the role of prophets. He says, so that they take out the parts of their minds that they have buried under the ground. That's the role of messengers. Okay, so given all of that, do we say that for religion it's enough to just follow your instinct? Or do we need something more? What do you think? Yes. I think you always need to remember God, like, uh, and and you might ask me, like, how do you always remember God? I think, like, when you pray five times a day, I think uh, you really, you really have God on your mind between prayers. And then, and then when you do that, then you change everything you do daily. And then that's why it's more than like you don't just need to. Uh, I forgot what she said, but you don't need to. You can't. It's not just saying. It's not just your instinct and your nature. Yeah, it's not just your. You're adding something which is a reminder. Exactly. That's excellent point. Yes and yes. Uh, yeah. I think we need something more than instinct because instinct allows us to connect with God, but we need something to let us know what the characteristics of God is and to allow us to know, like for example, that we're going to be judged by God at, after we die, and things like this. Instinct, I don't think it's enough to just recognize that there is a God out there. Okay. You? No, the same thing, basically, if you look at the other instincts, for example, eating. But when you're a kid, you put anything in your mouth. Yes. You need someone teaching you what's the right thing to eat. So in religion, the same thing, you need someone teaching you what the right things are. So that's why we need prophets, for example. Okay. So basically today, there are no prophets. Okay? What we have today is ourselves, which is instinct, or something, let's call it theory. Okay? Which is actually studying religion like you would study any other science. It's like you study math, or science, or history, or anything else. Like a systematic study of religion. Let's, let's call it theory. So if you have a knowledge of religion, it could be a knowledge that is 
what you feel instinctively, because some people say religion and everything spiritual is just my gut feeling, my instinct, my nature, and that's enough. Or, I have to have that other source of religion, which is what? Which is theory. Which is actual textbook knowledge of religion. So the question is really, is it enough to rely on theory, on instinctive knowledge of religion, or do we need theory? Do we need textbooks? Do we need to study it? And why or why not? That's what we're really after. Yeah. Um, so in the Quran it says that uh, all you need to do to go to heaven is, uh, I'm not sure if it's the exact meaning, but uh, like all you need to go, all you need to do to go to heaven is believe in one God. Uh, so, but when if you 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 do that, you're also gonna go to hell for a while if you do if you did bad things in your life. But you'll eventually go to heaven. Uh, so that but that's not the goal. That's not what we're trying to get to. So, but that's the way if we just use instinctive uh, instinct. You know, if we just use our instincts to worship God, but if we do it more and we actually like. Uh, uh, outline the rules of God, then we'll avoid going to hell for a while. Okay. So does that mean you rely on your instincts or you need theory? You, like, you need both. It's like, there's two ways, basically. The theory way, if you go with theory, then you won't go to hell. If you really follow theory, okay, then you won't touch hell. But if you don't need to touch theory, then you're gonna, like, probably go to hell because the shaitan is strong out here. <laughs> okay. Yes, and then yes. Yeah. Did you to say something? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't think you can rely just on instincts and believing one God because you don't know what this God wants from you. You don't know that he wants you to respect your parents, for example, that he wants you to give charity and all of this stuff. Especially for people that have been exposed to religion, it's not enough to just say, yeah, I believe in one God, but I'm going to do whatever I want. So we need theory so that we can understand what he expects from us and what he wants us to do, and so that we can live life the way that he wants us to live it. Okay. Uh, I think that you need both, but I kind of see as in the, like, you need your instinct, that's like kind of your own point of view on things, so that's where you make your own positions and kind of see for your own perspective. So you're not kind of relying on what someone else is telling you, you are kind of have your own spin on things. <laughs> but you still need the theory part of it because there's something that you need to kind of acquire to better your knowledge of both. That it's kind of like enhancing it and boosting your instinctive nature of belief. Okay. Did you have something? Yeah. Uh, the way I see it is like you buy a, a bed from IKEA, you have to assemble it, and you can't do it instinctively because you don't know what parts to put with. So we need the instruction on it. Okay, so it's close to this. Yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yes? Uh, basically, uh, uh, religion and instinct, but uh, without. Uh, religion is uh, instinct, but without theory, it's kept buried. Uh, without theory? It's kept buried. It's kept buried. Okay. And then there's one. You had a comment? Did you have a comment? Um, I'm going to add about this. Yeah. When, let's say, you 
You don't follow your instinct, you need the instruction manual, but you also sometimes while you're reading the instruction manual, you throw it away. Like, I know I have to put the screw in this and build it like this. Like you're on the final step. You don't need to read the manual, like put the mattress on this. Or How good is that going to be? It could be very good. Okay. It could be anything. Yeah. Sometimes you need a mix of both. Okay. You, can use, you could use your instinct. Okay. I think that the base of it, like the muscle of it, is instinct. And like we say every day, so we need a guidance. We need something to guide us. And I think that guidance is theory. Okay. So most of what you said is actually very compatible with each other. You guys just added on top of the same points, and, and it was very good. You looked at the same thing from different angles, but they're all valid. No one contradicted anything anyone else said. So where do we take from our religion from? We said religion is instinctive. But we also said that religion can be buried, it can be distorted, environment can play in it. We may be one of those people who are born without a religious sense or a very weak religious sense, and then it can go completely in the wrong path. So how do I rely on my instinct when all of this is happening? So instinct becomes very secondary. I need something to confirm to me that my instinct is actually the correct instinct. My theory is the correct. So theory is stable. Theory doesn't vary from one person to another. Theory is not going to be affected by the environment. This is the stuff that is, theory basically means reason only. Reason you need to learn. You need to sit and think and see does it contradict or not. Are there issues or not. So it's purely philosophy and reason. That, that's the religious study of religion. If I want to study my religion, starting from a belief system, because everything else falls from the belief system, and we talked about that, before I talk about the actions of a religion, I have to build my belief system. I can't say, I pray or I don't pray, if I don't know if God exists. I don't know what the attributes of God are. I don't know if He sent messengers or not. I don't know if there's one religion or more. All of this needs to be established first, and then my actions come out of that automatically. Once I've established that there's this prophet with this religion, with this thing, with this teaching, then I just do. And I have a rational system. It's not blind faith. Religion is not blind faith. Blind faith is just blind faith. In our Quran, it's not acceptable. You're just doing what your parents did. And the Quran does not praise, condemns those people. When they're asked, why do you do what you do? Their answer is what? Well, we found our parents doing that. So we did the same thing. And the Quran says, but their parents were people who did not understand anything. Right? So that part is unacceptable. You have to build it on a solid foundation. The problem with instinct is not that religion is not instinctive. The problem is we can't rely on our instincts because they vary. And they get distorted. And religion says, 
religion is filtery, but it gets distorted and buried. So you need something stable. And your something stable, that's what God gave you, which is your reason. And that's why we need reason. If you want to study religion, it's not gut feelings. Religion needs to be studied. It's more complex and more deep than philosophy and economics and biology and physics. All of this becomes very easy when you really get into religion. It's that deep and that wide. That's for someone who actually wants to study religion seriously. And the more, it depends your capacity and what you can take out of it. If you're someone who has a simple mentality, a simple mind, you need the simple part of religion. And there is a simple part. Just like there's a simple part of biology and physics and, and, and. But if you're someone who needs a lot more, you're someone with a lot more questions, with a lot more doubts, you need to go deeper into religion to see what does religion actually say for this question. Okay, that's all for today's lesson.